Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and uh, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And uh, it's about time that we start talking about the Kingdom of God, because everybody else is seemingly falling prey to the teachings of the kingdoms of the world. They're not listening to the Lord of the heavens, the Lord that brought life on the face of the earth, I was reading an article this week about uh, quantum biology, which is a new field of uh, science and physics. And uh, they're saying that the quantum affects the DNA of cells, actually changes the DNA of cells. And there has been evidence for a long time. And, and it's interesting how the DNA of cells even works because uh, you have all these, you know, they supposedly have now mapped out all the DNA and they know what each individual DNA does in the body and all this, except for the fact that the DNA uh, sequences do multiple things. They don't all do the same thing. It's like you think that there's just one DNA strand that handles this part of your inherited uh, uh, biome and uh, this one does another, but it's actually that the different DNAs in the strands of the every cell have different functions. And if you want to take out one and change that function, you will take out another. Uh, you will actually change more than just that one function because there is epigenetics in every cell that will turn on and turn off different DNA, uh, accentuate a certain DNA to do certain things. And you know, it's just so complicated and so amazing, even though they have su supposedly put together the DNA sequence, they still don't know what everything does or how everything works. And then now they've entered a new factor to the equation that somehow in this mysterious subparticle sub realm of our existence, I mean, before we have the matter of atoms, that uh, construct everything that we think we know, that there is this quantum realm that is also affecting DNA. And they actually believe that it can affect DNA in your body that will alter the reproduction of that, uh, the DNA sequence uh, in your body. And so... Things are not as stable as we thought, and there are things that are very subtle in nature that can affect our very DNA. And DNA is an amazing thing. You have two cells, one from a man, one from a woman, and they come together, form one cell, and no more twain, but one cell. And that cell divides and divides and divides and divides until suddenly there's a baby. <laughs> There's another human being with liver and heart and and it's just absolutely miraculous if you think about it. We the detail that were in those two cells 
has devised a human being with thoughts and aspirations of its own. That is, you know, rocks don't do that. <laughs> That's just, but life does that all across this planet, but doesn't seem to be hardly anywhere else. Uh, it's an amazing uh, concept of this procreation of life. And of course, all life or all things that seem to be living do not procreate, but that's one of the characteristics that we have categorized to life is that things uh, procreate. Even worms who can be both male and female, they still procreate. Uh, so this is part of the mysteries of our biome, our our life, our biology of life on this planet. And the Bible talks about this life in very simple terms in creation and Genesis is that it is God breathing upon the waters that brought this life about. And what is God? What is, how does it breathe upon the waters and eventually produce this man who prays to the God of creation? And, uh, I've, I've listened now, well actually I didn't listen to the second one, but, uh, Prager U is putting together these deals, uh, by Dennis Prager, where he talks about how do you know that murder is wrong? Unless you have the Ten Commandments in the Bible. Well, and I, I've talked about this briefly in a previous show, but to me, that was astounding. To even ask the question, you only know that murder is wrong because you read it in the Bible? You wouldn't know otherwise. Well, how do you know the Bible is true? To only know that murder is wrong requires supposition on your part. You have to assume the Bible is true. You have to place upon the Bible itself a veneration that belongs to the God of creation. And that is not healthy. That is not spiritually or mentally healthy. Because the Bible is always, always interpreted in your own mind. And to do that is a form of idolatry. The Bible may be a gift by way of God through the prophets, But your understanding of what the Bible says is subject to your opinion, your ideas, your emotions, your your previous existence, all the things that people told you. I mean, somebody told you what all these different words that you're reading in the Bible mean, and you bring those opinions of those words to the text when you read it. So how do you know what you're reading really means what you think it means? You have to take you as a source of truth out of the equation and simply see the truth as it exists in the moment of time in which you see it. This is the process or part of the process of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You have an ability uh, gifted to you by God to have a relationship with God. Not an emotional relationship, but an actual connection to God where God will show you the truth in the moment. And although the Bible can be a useful gift and tool, 
the source of that knowing is something that we call the Holy Spirit. And Christ said he was going to send the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, I'm going to have a book written that will be your Comforter. I'm going to send you the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that breathed upon the waters and gave life. That literally can alter your DNA. Meanwhile, out there in the physical realm, emotions can alter the way you think. Uh, fear, uh, you know, passion. All these things can alter the way you think, therefore alter the way you perceive the world around you. And Habakkuk, as we've been going through, we've gone through the first two chapters, and we had a preliminary show just introducing Habakkuk, and that's what we're doing now, is introducing uh, Habakkuk, but we're going to do it by reading chapter 3. And Habakkuk is one of those poetic prophets, and uh, the reason a lot of times, there's uh, several reasons why some of the prophets wrote poetry. Uh, what we would call poetry. They wrote in this particular style. And Habakkuk 3 is different than Habakkuk 1 and 2. There's a pattern in Habakkuk that you don't see in in, in a lot of other places in Hebrew writing. And uh, it's, for, like I said, for several reasons. One is so that uh, minstrels and, and people who traveled about uh, Repeating stories, history, etc., when they put it in a poetic form or a song-like form, that it was able to be memorized more easily, more perfectly, and repeated over and over again. And so there's a message in Habakkuk for every generation. It was designed to pass down from generation to generation. It is a timeless message of the prophets. And it is full of symbolism. And even though we have gone into some of the symbolism that is in that, some of the words that they used, and we even even done more than what I find in most all of the commentaries on on the prophets and and the Bible, we actually looked into the fact that many of these poetic prophets were adding extra letters to words on a on a regular and even sometimes consistent basis. And these extra letters have meaning. And they are adding to the message which you do not see when you read the English. But you could see if you receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not dependent upon what you read. You read the Bible and that's fine. It's great. Uh, it can produce uh, good things. Because it is your choice to do it. But... If you don't have the Holy Spirit, the Holy One, that proceeds from the Mount Paran, then you're not going to get it. You're going to actually probably wreak confusion upon the people around about you and upon your own mind. You need that Holy Spirit. And so can you tell that murder is wrong without the Bible? Well, if you look around in nature, which we just took a little tiny glimpse at DNA, and this this amazing way in which we procreate, where two come together, no more one, uh, two, but now one, no more twain, but now one, 
and produce a new life that is the seed of a soul that has some sort of choice in its existence. You know, most of the choices you make are the product of what you have become. It is not you making the choice. But the product of what you have become is a result of choice. And that choice is either you accept the light or you reject the light. You accept the truth or you reject the truth. The truth is all around you. Your senses are seeing it and perceiving it. But you may reject it. Turn your eyes away from the truth and not see it. And therefore, that sets up a cause and effect in the universe. Your denial of the truth, usually about yourself, but also about others, will set up a pattern of cause and effect that will alter the reality around you and within you. Denial. Denial of the truth sets you up for subjection to the will of evil, the will of others. Because the good don't want to assert their will over you. They don't want to exercise their will over your will. It is only the wicked that want to compel you to act in a certain way, to behave in a certain way, to think in a certain way. That is a... That is what we call the wicked. How do I know that? Cause and effect. If you desire to control others, you will be controlled. If you desire to take away the life of others, your life will be forfeited. If you try to take away the choice of others, your choices will be limited. This is cause and effect creation in the universe. You are creating the world around you all the time by your choices. And their choice is twofold. You can either eat of the tree of life or eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can decide for yourself what is good and evil or see the good and know the good. Have that relationship with the good. Receive the life in you, the awareness in you, through from that tree of life, which in essence is also the Holy Spirit. And if you reject that truth of that comes to you by way of the tree of life, by way of the Holy Spirit, you will live in darkness. You will reject that light. And you will look... Or an alternative light. Because you still, you're only constructed as an individual to depend upon other things for your life. You either get your life from the tree of life or you get your life by taking it from others. Maybe you take it from the fruit of the ground. Maybe you take it from animals. But you take it from somewhere. You are not the source of life. You were not created as the source of life. You can generate life, but you do that with the process of either the tree of life, the Holy Spirit, or with the life you've taken from other things that are also in existence that were made for you. The fruit of the fields, they are there for you. But... I'm I'm trying to set up a pattern. And if you turn away 
from the truth. Usually the truth about yourself. That's a good place to start. You will not see the truth about everything else. You will live in darkness. You will not have the light of truth to show you the way. So anyway, with that as a preface, let's get into Habakkuk. We lost a little bit of time with technical difficulties at the beginning of the show. So we'll look at verse 1. It says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Sigionah, which is a word we could go into great depth, what that word means, and we have mentioned it before, but we're not going to go into it now. There's a lot of things I skip over, because if we get too attentive to detail, we will miss the big picture. And there's, you know, almost 20 verses in this uh, text, or at least 20 verses as we see them. There's actually this pattern, which we'll maybe get a chance to talk about later, that we see in the actual Hebrew text. But uh, this is, again, a poem, which poems can be sung. And so we will see a word that pops up here and there that refers to the fact that this can be sung, that it is a song, that it is a message. But ultimately, the message that you want to receive is from the Holy Spirit. And so right away, he says, this is the prayer of Habakkuk. And he begins, O Lord, that's who the prayer is too. I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. So, he's heard the voice of God. And he sees something that uh, causes him to be afraid. Uh, and now we put all kinds of meanings in the word afraid. If we go back to the Hebrew text and look at the word afraid as it, as it appears in the actual Hebrew text, uh, we see a particular word there that he has added extra letters to again. It's, it's Yod, uh, Resh, Elif, Tav. Yod. Well, Yod is this spark, this divine spark. Resh is this authority. We have been given an authority to make a choice. We've been given this authority by God, which is the Elif, the relationship of God and man. And then we have this Tav, which is this doorway to faith. This is where, you know, Jesus used this symbolism of the door. Knock and the door shall be open. We do not open the door. It is not our willfulness that will open the door. It's our submission to the fact that we must knock that will open the door. So, somehow or other, these letters form this idea of he's afraid. Uh, what it is, is that he is respectful. He's going to knock at the door to know the truth. Because the original word there that we see translated fear, it doesn't have a tav. It has a yod, but it only has one yod. Yod, resh, elef. And it it is this divine spark, this uh, authority, and this relationship of God. This is is the word of fear. The problem is, is that there are God's many. And we often fear the God's many more than we fear the God of creation and this interferes with our ability to see the light 
that is coming from the tree of life. Because that's what the holy angel is there as a beacon to bring us back to the tree of life. But instead we're looking at all the other flashy lights that the world has to offer. And we end up sitting in a spiritual darkness. We think we see everything but we actually see nothing because we do not see the spiritual reality because we have fallen to the flesh and to the devil and to the adversaries and to the wicked who want to control us. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. So Habakkuk is saying this this prayer and he's saying it and he's writing it down because that was one of the things we saw earlier is that Habakkuk was write down what he sees and make it clear. And, of course, he has written it down in a poem. And then somebody's translated that poem. And uh, it has become, And they have told you previously what he really means. I've listened to all kinds of people and read all kinds of commentaries about Habakkuk. And, uh, and, there, and I, I warned you ahead of time in earlier shows that Habakkuk 3 seems to have a message that modern-day prophets... Uh, and I put that in quotes. You didn't see me put that in quotes with my fingers. Uh, are telling you that it has to do with an upcoming event that is going to cause destruction over the whole world. And uh, it's going to be an astronomical event that will cause untold damage over the whole world. And he puts together an argument. Of course, he does it in his book, which is for sale. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, he may be right. Uh, because what happens in prophecy is there's a spiritual understanding that the prophet is trying to impart to you. But if you deny the spiritual reality over and over again, this kind of creates a pressure in creation where it can actually bring about a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. We really want to see the spiritual reality, the spiritual message of Habakkuk, And we will only see that if we return to eating of the tree of life instead of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So all the people that are trying to decipher this and uh, and revelation uh, to get this edge on the future, you know, because if we know what's coming, we can prepare for it, you know, and we can survive because it's all about you, right, and surviving. Uh, the reality is the next book we'll probably look at is Zephaniah, which is the revelation of the Old Testament. It is That's what a lot of commentators talk about. It. Zephaniah is telling you in the Old Testament what Revelation is trying to tell you in the New Testament. And so most of the people approach Revelation wrong, and they're trying to... Uh, figure get, get get an edge on the future because they know that the you know it's talking in all these symbols, but we won't get into Revelation because that is that is a very complicated book, and I have used it when I've written you know on what the mark of the beast is. I have taken the words of that and tried to lead you back to spiritually understanding what the mark of the beast is. Now there's a physical representation of the mark of the beast. And that could have value in understanding. But the mark, the karagma of the beast, the word they use karagma there, is a badge of servitude. And the badge of servitude is 
the result of the cause and effect built into all creation before Adam even began. And that is that if you decide, as you judge, because you've now decided to decide what is good and evil, because you're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're not accepting the truth as it flows from the tree of life. As you try to decide what is good and evil and judge others, judge your relationship with others, control others, manipulate others, you fall prey to the very judgment you wreak upon other people. What you sow, you shall reap back again. And so this is, this is built in. So this is, if you see Revelation in spirit, Zephaniah in spirit, Habakkuk in the spirit, you'll begin to see how if you decide to control your neighbor, manipulate your neighbor, force your neighbor, you will be giving yourself over to a spirit that we call wicked that lives in a realm of wickedness that comes from a realm of wickedness and it will take over. I mean, it was obvious, you know, that they just showed on uh, the internet and I guess on TV and everywhere all these countless videos of Kyle uh, Rittenhouse and the events of that day. And you had people who were uh, burglars and felons and and uh, child molesters and all kinds of problems in their life attacking uh, Kyle Rittenhouse who was trying to put out fires and calm the mob. <laughs> he, he had become the enemy uh, in their midst. And uh, they were after him and they wanted to kill him and destroy him. And they said so. And uh, they ran after him. Of course, the media would have you hate Kyle. Uh, you know, much of the media would have you hate Kyle Rittenhouse. And uh, it was, but in, in the spiritual sense, uh, Kyle needs to understand, you know, he's he was young and and uh, made certain mistakes. And we'll, maybe we'll talk about him in the afternoon show. But was what I found fascinating there is the play and possession of evil in the hearts and minds of people. And this is playing out in the media. And it's playing out. And I saw so many posts late last night. Uh, I came in off the desert, brought the sheep in off the desert. And uh, in order to do the show and to do a number of other things, we're going to take the bucks out of the sheep. Because the breeding season is over and now we're moving in. It's, it's rained upon the desert and I was out wandering through the desert and seeing blades of grass by the billions showing up everywhere <laughs> in the desert. And we have at least a week of warm weather here where all that grass is beginning to grow. All those little DNA uh, strands and all those seeds that were laying in that dead dry desert because it had been drier in the last year than I have ever seen, they're now all sprouting up everywhere you see. I mean, you almost can't walk without stepping on something green that's trying to grow up. Whether it will continue to grow up, I don't know. You know, 
Jesus has parables about seeds being cast out. And so, you may be seeing some truth in some of the things that we're sharing with you. But you need to cultivate that. And that is one of the first messages of Zephaniah, is that we are to come together. It is absolutely essential that we come together. Because if we do not come together, we will perish. And it isn't because our coming together brings us life. The life comes from the Holy Spirit. But that Holy Spirit needs to be cultivated. You know, the seed dies in order to come alive again. It, it contains this code of life in it. But for it to live, it must die in the soil and be sprouted again. And that's a little bit of the message we see here in this verse too. O Lord, I have heard thy speech. Remember, God spoke upon the water. Moses was supposed to speak to the rock. Uh, and so this, this vibration of your speech is sent out of your body and goes into somebody else goes into other things round about you. and But he says, and I was afraid. But not afraid in the sense of fear. Afraid in the sense of respecting and having faith in knocking on the door of the Lord. And so he says, O Lord, revive the, thy work in the midst of the years. And that's not the normal word for years there either. I mean, it is the normal word, but he's added an extra letter. The normal word is shen nun hei. And that is a year. And uh, he puts a mem in there. He adds a mem to this this uh, year. But because when Hebrew is written, all the words go together. It's not separated. They're just continued contiguous and he mentions this shen nun yad mem which is the fullness of the letters that we see there in the original text and he has it in there twice uh, and he, but he talks about in the midst of the years so he's added this extra word in the midst which has uh, uh, several extra letters in it as well it has a be it on the front and a be it on the back. And uh, a resh in the middle. And, and another letter along with it. But we won't get into all that. The point is, is that these, the word adjacent to the word that we see there with this additional letter mem has additional letters as well. And it's trying to tell us something. And we see that in in this this word afraid as well, which is in next to the word we see as Yahweh. And uh, and is translated, O Lord, all caps, O Lord, it usually means that that is, in the original text, is this yad heh the existing one. See, we have to, uh, the existing one is, I am that I am. And you need to be, I am that I am. You need to see yourself as you really are. And he talks about in the midst of the years, make it known. And they put in the word known there. And it is not without extra letters as well. <laughs> so you, you see this, uh, the, uh, 
letters of uh, this this word, uh, also in the word that we'll see here in a second, uh, remember, because uh, he says, remember mercy. And, and the word mercy there is basically divided up by the concordance people uh, as this resh hey mem. So you have this, this is what they have there for mercy. But the word remember has these additional letters. Because uh, the original word member is, uh, I'm trying to think of what it is uh, <laughs> saying, uh, cuff, a rash. But they have added uh, several extra letters here, that, which begins with the letter Tav. They bring in this faith again, this door that you knock on. And it's Tav Vav, and we'll see Tav Vav often. And, uh, and it goes right to Kuf, and Vav again, and Resh. That's the word they have there for remember, which is quite different than the normal word for remember. But he's saying, in my faith, remember mercy. As I have faith, as I knock upon your door, have mercy. Because you, you can't dictate to God. He's, he's going to have mercy if you have faith. If you live by faith. If you don't live by force. And that is very important. That you live by faith. Instead of by force. And if you go back up to that make known. We, we see this, uh, another word that if you're just looking at a regular concordance, it's going to tell you that the word there in, in the text is yada, which is, uh, uh, yad, uh, delet, uh, ayan. But that's not the word that we see in the original text. We see, Actually, Tav, Vav, uh, Delet, Yod, An. So again, there's that letter Tav again added to there. So is the Tav have to do again with that door of faith, that willingness to look to the tree of life instead of to the tree of my personal knowledge? See, the people are always trying to find out what revelation means. Not always, but a lot of the time there's this spirit in us to try to get knowledge so that we can have power. So that we will know which way to go. But it isn't knowledge. It's the spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us light and life and controls our DNA so that we're not subject to the DNA manipulations of the quantum realms or of the physical realms of the mRNA realms or whatever. This is what is going to give you your protection is the tree of life. And it is built in that if you repent and stop trying to control everybody else and manipulate everybody else for your particular comfort to make other people uh, pay the price of your comfort and fast from that desire to control other people, then will God remember mercy. Then your faith will bring the mercy of God. And that's important as we read through the rest of Habakkuk 
and we start seeing the bad things that are supposedly coming, which are not really bad things. They're really good things, but a lot of people are going to receive them as bad things, including like hot coals upon their heads. But anyway, so we hope God remembers mercy if we have faith. Verse 3, God came from Timon and the Holy One from the Mount Paran. And we see this word Selah, which is a reminding us that this is a poem and a song. And this this word Timon, it's not the normal word again for Timon. It has an extra letter, an extra mem in it. And we can look at Paran as well and the, the words that are adjacent to it. But basically we're just going to accept the fact that God comes from somewhere. This Holy One comes from somewhere. And the Holy One is the Comforter. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of His praises. And His brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of His hand and there was the hiding of His power. Now, does this have a spiritual meaning? Does this have a physical meaning? Something in the heavens Covering all the heavens, visible. Now, when they say covering, it could mean that it's visible from all the heavens. And this is what the modern-day prophets are trying to, uh, some of the, these people, self-proclaimed modern-day prophets, are trying to say that we're going to see something coming in the skies. It's going to be brought about and bringing destruction upon the earth. Is that, once you, you're gripped with that fear of that, you may miss the spiritual significance of of what is being said here. You remember I told you in a recent show that God is speaking to all of you right now. But that you, you're not doing what verse 1 says. Or verse 2 actually said. Uh, is that you're not hearing what God is telling you. And if you interpret this Habakkuk as the reference to this thing that we're all going to see in the sky. Which may actually come. I don't know if it does or not. Uh, you will miss the spiritual message. And this was written to give you a spiritual message that is timeless. So, you don't want to be gripped with the fear of these modern day prophets who say that this thing that we will see coming in the sky will have these fingers of light and uh, and will be seen by everyone uh, in the heavens and the earth was uh, full of its praise. In other words, they were full of uh, astonishment of this thing's coming. We could look at that word praise, but we want to clip along here. Uh, And his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hands. Hands are what you do things with. So there were horns of light coming out of its existence. And there was this hiding of his power. You couldn't figure you couldn't see exactly what the power of this thing was the power of its influence but anyway it says in verse 5 before him went the pestilence and burning coals went forth at his feet now is this again spiritual or is this physical these modern day prophets are going to tell you that it's physical and you're going to miss the spiritual uh, the spiritual power of God. And this is why I'm talking at the beginning of the show, and I've often done this, of the cause and effect universe. That 
that God, you know, a lot of people say, how do you know it's the Holy Spirit? Uh, and so one of the things I always told my kids, when in doubt, don't. And because uh, they don't, they they don't know is the Holy Spirit telling me to do this, and you'll find yourself arguing. Well, I think the Holy Spirit is telling, me, and I think that I should do it this way, and I think that you know I'm being led to do this. Are you filled with peace in this decision? Are you? Does this fill your heart with uh, peaceful compassion to the whole world? Or does it fill your heart with fear and anxiety? Well, if it's fear and anxiety that you are feeling inside you, fear in the sense of, of uh, insecurity, then it's probably not the Holy Spirit. You're misinterpreting something. <laughs> yes. God, God is really not a God of fear in the sense that he wants to cause you pain. His truth will cause you pain. If you have not been willing to see his truth, it will cause you discomfort. It will be like, what does it say? Hot coals upon your head. And he's talking here about pestilence and burning coals. So what is this word pestilence that we see here in in the text? Uh, is it is it really like a sickness, like a COVID? Is 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 COVID the prelude to this thing that's coming in the heavens, or is he talking to you about spiritual things? And you know, if he writes it in a way that you think that it's you know some sort of disastrous thing coming in in the in your in the world in which you live, they already grap, grappled your attention. They did this with COVID in the early days of COVID. Uh, they were saying that there would be millions dead. Uh, the local doctors in this distant county would have hardly anybody in it, and hardly anybody has died really of COVID in it. Uh, they had multiple other problems that they were dying from, and they may have caught the flu or had some flu-like symptoms at the same time. But the doctors thought there would be like 300 need for 300 body bags the first month that it arrived in our uh, county. This is the fear that they were spreading. Once they spread that fear, they can't let go of it. And then somebody says, oh, we have a solution here. We have a vaccine. It's not a real vaccine. You'll still get the disease. You'll still spread the disease. It's not like any other vaccine we ever had. It's made up of mRNA uh, it won't affect your DNA. That's what they tell you. And um, But you need to take this. Well, wait a minute. I still will get it. I will still spread it. But I need to take this. Or I can't go back to work. <laughs> you know, like... And everybody goes, yeah! <laughs> Whoa! You know, what are you thinking? And uh, And immediately, almost immediately... The, the countries that began to take the vaccine began to show the efficacy of lowering symptoms. That's all it was going to do is lower the symptoms. That efficacy, they said it was at 95, then 86, and then 70, 75 or 74, and then it drops down to like into the 30s. And so you have to have a booster. Booster one, booster two. I Just a local person 
that I know just went and got his booster. And he said he's never been so sick in his life. And uh, he doesn't realize that. And, and he's running fevers. Well, if you're running fevers, you're probably shedding something. <laughs> so anyway. But anyway. So if we go back to Habakkuk 5. And, and we read Habakkuk 5. Understanding that there is a spiritual message here. And not simply a physical one. We do not want to be caught away with fear that is coming from modern prophets selling their books. Uh, Habakkuk wasn't selling books. Habakkuk, actually, this part of the reason he wrote in a poem is so that people, and it was very short, so that people could memorize it and share it. And that was a big thing because that was a big source of entertainment in those days. And people would share this poem, this song, around the community and he was trying to impart to you a spiritual message that before him went the pestilence this thing with the burning coals and the burning coals went forth at his feet and then the very next verse 6 he stood and measured the earth now what does he mean did he have a ruler there that he measured the earth there's prophecies we see in Revelation and other prophecies about measuring things. Well, summing them up, figuring them out, knowing height, breadth, width, understanding them. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. Sounds serious. But we'll have to finish this when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom uh, after this brief break. Be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're looking at this Habakkuk 3 and we're down. Let's take a look at uh, uh, this verse 6 again. He stood and measured the earth. So he he calculated or he encompassed the idea of the earth. He, he beheld and drove asunder the nations and then it says, and the everlasting mountains were scattered and the perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. Again, in the, this cause and effect universe, the, the, the mountains are peoples, hills are peoples. And, uh, no matter what you do, your nation, whether it's the nation of Nimrod or the nation of Kor or the nation of uh, Beelzebub, uh, they will have to bow asunder to this cause and effect that is always present. You're not going to get away with anything. People always think that, you know, we, we don't... He has to pay his debt to society. We don't want him to get away with this. Well, the, it's true that you need to sometimes stand in the gap and protect the weak and uh, the needy, the people who aren't strong enough to stand on their own, to help them with their unbelief. But nobody gets away with anything. There is no escape. There is a universe of justice. It it And they talk about this in Habakkuk. They also will talk about it in uh, and, and several of the other prophets is that there seems to be this delay. This is be patient. It's coming. You're not going to get away with anything. And we see uh, over the last, you know, the 70 years of my life, 
uh, 70 plus years of my life, I've seen a lot of changes going on in the world. And I, I can remember the way that people used to think. And uh, I can imagine the way they thought even before that. And there is a huge change that is going on in the world. And they are, they, uh, more and more people are sitting in greater and greater darkness. Uh, but the cause and effect of the universe is everlasting. It's, it's still here. It's not going away. It's, it's quantum. It's beyond our physical influence. It will influence us. We will not influence it. Uh, to think so is witchcraft. It is the idea that you can conjure up and change the laws of the universe. No, you cannot. You cannot escape them. Uh, so verse 7 starts out, I saw the tents of Cushion, uh, sight unknown in affliction. Uh, cushion is blackness. That's what the actual word means. And... Uh, and then it goes on to say in what seemingly is the same verse, at least it's numbered seven, and the certain and, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. So th- this particular verse seven is different. Actually seven and eight are also they're both different. In Habakkuk the there's a, this pattern I told you about. There's a rhythmical structure to the composition of all the verses except for 7 and 8 and possibly 13, which may have been added. It may not be in the original Habakkuk because it falls outside of the the usual pattern, this rhythmical structural pattern that consists of lines each containing exactly three words, but 7 and 8, not so. So if we read 8, was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea? Uh, that thou didst ride upon thine horses of salvation and thy chariots of salvation? So why did 7 and 8 suddenly break from this pattern of three words and this rhythm? Was it a course? Did Habakkuk add it? Uh, in there and it's outside of the regular rhythmic pattern of the message or was somebody else that they added in much, much later? I don't know. It's in there though. I, I do know that if you, if you look at this worse word for horses, uh, they've added extra letters again. A yod kaf has been added to, to this and this particular word with these additional letters, also appears in Micah. And so, we we see this particular pattern of words that is supposedly, uh, uh, it's translated in several different ways, but horse is the normal basic word, which is semak vav semak. But a horse is a very symbolic thing, just like a tree, as a horse did so many things. Uh, the word was actually even translated crane a couple of times, horseback. Uh, then you can add it with other words as well. Uh, but it, it is associated with the idea of swift, because a horse had this power of running swiftly. But they added this yod cuff uh, to, 
to this word. So what is the Yad Kufda? Yad is the divine spark and, and, and Kuf has a meaning of its own. And there are several other words that we see here that they have added, uh, letters to. And so we can ask what, what is the significance of this? Uh, the word salvation, for instance, uh, is in there. Salvation is deliverance. So somehow there's a deliverance that we're talking about where somebody is saved from something. So the horses of salvation and thy chariots of salvation. So he's talking about something that has to do with deliverance. The the horses of deliverance and the horses of salvation. And uh and and if you look at the this word that we see uh translated chariots all the time, it has a tav kaf added to it. Tav again is that letter for faith. This kaf is this crown. So it's a kind of a crown of faith. And we saw that in, in the, this previous word that also had the yod cough. So this divine spark crown. So anyway, the point is, is that if we're looking at these, uh, this extra verses of seven and eight, it does talk about thou dost ride upon thy horses of salvation and thy chariots of salvation. So that actually is connected back to that word mercy because it delivers us. Mercy delivers us, protects us. So anyway, that slipped into the normal part of the Habakkuk poem and it's significant enough. God is not mad at the rivers. Evidently, the rivers are going to be affected. The sea is going to be affected. He's not mad at anybody. This is cause and effect taking place. But if you have faith, if you eat of the tree of life, if you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, if you live not in the fear and anxiety that you might lose your life, because you have to have the attitude, though he may slay me, I shall serve him. Serve this God of creation. Serve life. And one of the ways you do that is to gather and care about... The reason you gather together is not to save yourself. If you do, you're not gathering in the name of Christ. You gather together to save others. And you don't want to save others to do iniquity. You don't want to save others to do wickedness. So you're going to want to gather together in the light of truth. And you will help those that God leads you to help. But you gather together so that you will know who needs help. And then you have to pray and hear the words of the Lord to know how to help them. So now we come up on verse 9 which the modern prophet uses this in his prediction of disaster from basically one of them, it's Horn. Who's, there's several of them around. There's quite a few of them around, but Horn, I, I remember his name for some reason. I can't remember the other people's name. Is talking about an asteroid hitting the planet. And he, uh, and he says, this is what Habakkuk is talking about. I'm telling you that, you know, an asteroid could hit the planet sometime, but... This is about a spiritual position that you need to take. A a position of faith. uh, A position of submission to the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is that you love one another. 
that you give life, that you be fruitful. That's the will of the Father. And that will bring the horses of salvation and the chariots of salvation and the mercy of God. But anyway, in verse 9, he goes on to say, Thy bow was made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word, Selah, again going back to this song and poet poem, thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. So the earth is going to get cracked? <laughs> That's That was someone will have you believe that the earth will be cracked and uh, cleaved with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and thy trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hand on high. So, they would have you believe that this is about a tidal wave coming from the fact that an asteroid hit the planet. Which, of course, if an asteroid hit the planet, there would be a tidal wave. The bow was uh, quite naked. That means the bow of God was empty. The arrow was released. And, uh, you know, it depends on how you want to put the interpretation in this. And some of this remarkably fits, but I tell you, you want to understand the spiritual message. Verse 11, he goes on, The sun and the moon stood still. The word still there is the word endured. In other words, it was the sun and the moon were unaffected. That by whatever, but the earth was cleaved uh, in their habit. Uh, so it, the sun and the moon in their habitation endured. They they were unaffected. At the light of thine arrow they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. So this is the image that he's painting: is this glittering spear. But I'm not imparting to you a message of fear. I'm telling you that this is a spiritual message first. And the pestilence is that we have not been doing the will of the Father. We have not been doing what Christ said. And all our other programs show you how we have not been doing the will of the Father. And therefore the will of Christ and the message of Christ. We're not really following Christ. We're saying we're following Christ. We're saying we're following the Bible. But we're not following the Spirit of Christ because the fruit tells us so. The works that you're doing tell us so. So verse 12, Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Now, of course, God doesn't get angry like we think of anger. You know, uh, the the... Some of the people that were injured in the the riots and even killed in the riots where we mentioned Kyle Rittenhouse, just as an example, that uh, they were very angry. They seemed to be full of hate. You know, uh, Kyle was like a babe in the woods, surrounded by this hate. And I guess there was an outburst uh, in his testimony where he became extremely emotional. Uh, he was overwhelmed by that hate and anger. He was trapped, surrounded by it, and uh, and had no means by which to deal with it. Although he 
acted in, um, I'm surprising, you know, like the guy who was about to shoot him, pointing the gun at him, the, the guy who illegally was carrying the gun, uh, because he was a felon, which the jury doesn't hear that he was a felon and that he didn't have a right, he didn't renew his concealed weapons permit because he couldn't, because he was now a felon because he had been convicted of, I guess, first degree burglary or something like that. But anyway, he pointed the gun moving towards uh, Kyle and Kyle fired and shot him in the arm. <laughs> Amazing. And he didn't take his life. Uh, so the reality was is that Kyle was overwhelmed by all this anger and animosity and it swept towards him because Kyle did not have the chariots of 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 God's salvation. Uh, he evidently had some sort of divine protection there because he made it through it all. And hopefully he will grow more and more in his understanding of what is true and, and right. But uh, the horses of salvation and thy chariots of salvation, uh, they will save you if God wants you saved. If God wants you saved, it's probably because you've knocked at his door of faith. And start, instead of living by force and fear and violence, which is the way the most of the world has gone, you have turned around, repented of that, and tried to live not of force, but of faith. Not of fear, but of faith. Not of violence, but of charity. You have given the right to choose back to the people. You're not trying to take away the right to choose of the people. You're actually coming together in righteousness to take care of one another in faith and hope and charity and love instead of force and fear and violence. So, this, uh, we see in this verse 13 that thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. So what is the foundation unto the neck? Well, it's part of the song, Selah. Thou didst strike through with his staves the head of his village, they came out as a whirlwind to scattereth me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. So what does this have to do with this thing that we see in the heavens? With the fiery cold feet and that don't move the, the sun and the moon. But this has to do with the house of the wicked. The house of the wicked was trying to hit the leaders of every village, every small group of people. They came out as a whirlwind to scatter the people. And they rejoicing, their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Well, that's a, that's gonna happen. 
uh, we're going to have runaway inflation now. Uh, people have been all, you know, the slothful shall be under tribute and so much of the gifts, gratuities, and benefits have been coming from the state, bringing people more and more under tribute, pushing their children, cursing their children with more and more debt. The process that has been going on since FDR and before has now uh, gone into hyperdrive, moving you towards absolute total bondage because their time is limited. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of great waters. So, the horses of what? The horses of salvation. Uh, he, they will pass through the sea. They, like the Israelites passed through the sea when they, they had the sea at their back and the armies of the Pharaoh coming down upon them. Uh, when I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble, when he cometh up unto the people. He will invade them with his troops. And of course, that's that could be a prediction of physical troops coming it could also be a prediction of, you know, the the horses were the horses of salvation. Are the, all the horses mentioned here the horses of salvation or are they horses of evil troops, of wickedness? He, he started talking about the house of the wicked by discovering the foundations unto the neck. Well, the foundation of the wicked is that they want you to decide for yourself what is good and evil. That will lead to you oppressing your brother, like Cain oppressed his brother and oppressed the people of the city-state of Cain. Nimrod. How did Nimrod rise to such a power? Was Nimrod's tower an actual building? Well, there probably was an actual building. You can only build so high with uh, clay bricks. Now, maybe he built it with stone and you can get up as high as the pyramids. But really what the pyramid is all about is the pyramid of people. Of people building upon the foundation of the necks of their brothers. And that's the city of blood, which we've talked about in earlier Habakkuk, talking about the city of blood, which uh, we will also see when we, we look at the, the net very next prophet, talks about a city of oppression. This is a common theme, slightly translated differently in the different uh, prophets. But a city of blood is a city that is built by biting one another, by robbing the poor, by oppressing the poor secretly, by those who are poor in spirit and don't see it coming. Uh, when I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered, at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble when he cometh up unto the people. He will invade them with his troops. Who? The house of the wicked? Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fall. Or fail. 
and the fields shall yield no meat, and the flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. So this talks about, well, they did say pestilence was coming first, but now we're talking about famine. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy I will joy in the God of my salvation. So he's talking about the house of the wicked bringing all this stuff, attacking the poor and making, creating shortages of food and shortages of, certainly of meat because they seem to be very interested in reducing the amount of meat intake of the people. But yet, with all these bad things coming from the house of the wicked, I remember the word I mentioned that has a be it at the beginning and a be it at the end. It's the house. The be it is the house. And all this stuff is in the letters. If you're, if you're looking at the letters as symbols of ideas, forming words that are symbols of ideas, but you need, in order to figure out all this complexity, just like figuring out all the complexity of your DNA, you need the Holy Spirit. That created the DNA to begin with. It created the idea of DNA. Created the idea of creating, of procreating. You need that Holy Spirit. You are not going to figure it out with your intellect. Stop thinking your solution is the tree of knowledge. Stop reading the Bible, uh, Zephaniah or Revelation, as if you're going to get an edge on God's creation. And start going to God himself. In order to do that, you have to knock at the door of faith and realize that God is in control. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, Yadavahe, the God of heaven, the existing one. Because I'm willing, willing to see myself as I exist. I'm willing to see the truth about myself, that I am a selfish creature. That I have been moving by vanity and being moved by the vanity of the world. And I will now do what Christ said to begin with. What Moses was trying to teach the people. What Abraham was trying to learn himself. Which was to live by faith. To walk in this world by faith. To knock on the door of faith. To gather together in faith. In hopes of not saving myself but in saving others. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds' feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Cain and those people created stringed instruments. If we look back in in Genesis. But there are the stringed instruments of God. My voice is a string instrument. I can feel if I put my hand up to my throat as I'm talking. I can feel the larynx vibrating in my throat. Everything is vibration. That's part of the string theory which is not 100% accurate, but I think it is It is revealing that you have this idea of 
atoms being the result of vibrations because we're being pulled between two realms. Heaven and hell is a realm and in between that exists this physical environment in which we live. Do we live according to the will of the Father? The Father of life. Do If we do, we have to grant choice to others as he granted it to us if we are to have a better choice. But anyway, we'll have to come back to this right after this brief break. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're now entering the end of Habakkuk. We've read to the end of uh, Habakkuk 3. Is it about a meteorite coming uh, or, you know, an a asteroid that uh, becomes a meteorite and hits the earth? And uh, as some of the modern day prophets selling you books is, is saying, well, I'm not going to put it beyond the fact that a meteorite could hit the earth. But if you do not understand the spiritual significance of Habakkuk, you will not see the chariots and the horses of the God of righteousness come through the waters to save you. <laughs> so you need to, and we'll get into this more when we go through Zephaniah, is that you need to be gathering together, as Christ said, to gather together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. To not just take care of your own little local congregation, or not to be taken care of by your local congregation, but in hopes of doing the will of the Father, which is to love thy neighbor as thyself, and to cast thy bread upon the waters. Christ created an international network of charity run by servant ministers, not ministers who want to take away the right to choose from the people, but empower you with the right to choose. This is the war that's going on now. They want to take away your right to choose. People in the riots, they wanted the right to choose to set fires to other people's property. (laughs) They, They wanted the right to do that. And somebody came along with a fire extinguisher to put out the fire to protect the property. And he became enemy number one. They wanted to kill him for putting out a fire. <laughs> That's what... And the, and the media tries to make heroes of the rioters and the, and the evil person of the guy trying to put out the fire. Because the media serves the God of unrighteousness. They have given themselves over to the God of unrighteousness. They cannot see the truth. They sit in darkness. And uh, they have a great awakening ahead of them or great destruction. But as I said at the beginning of this, when we were talking about this, this prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon uh, Siganoth. Well, that word Siganoth, it, it, it only appears twice in the, in the Bible. And it doesn't appear as it appears in Habakkuk. Uh, it appears also in, in David. I think in the Song of David, uh, Psalm 7, verse 1. But it's different in Habakkuk. In Habakkuk, he adds a tov to this this word uh, that could change its rhythm, but uh, it uh, it's uh, you know it's it, it's a word that is. 
expressing something. It's Shin Gimel is the first two letters. Gimel Yad. And uh, the Gimel is the letter of cause and effect. And this is this is where Habakkuk begins his song, his his poem in what we call chapter three, is that but he ends it with the letter Tov, which is the song of faith. So he's telling you that whatever's coming, physically coming in the world, you need this spiritual faith of God flowing through you in order to meet whatever is coming. Because You know, everybody lives in a different place. Everybody's going to be in a different time. Everybody's going to have a different age. And you should be trying to lay down your life for the the life of God, the existing one, the one who gives us all life. And you do that because God doesn't need your help. You need to help others that you will grow in the spirit of God so that the horses of salvation can be there for you. But you do it out of love of the way of God. And the way of God is to give life. And part of life is choice. So you want to give choices to others. So you need a government that gives you choice, not a government that takes choice away. And the governments of the world are trying to take choice away from you. And the government of God is trying to give you choice back. One of the choices... We used to take care of all the needy in the United States through faith, hope, and charity. It was mostly through philanthropic organizations, through churches, through local community uh, associations that we helped out one another. And people weren't dying and starving in the streets. Most everybody was working hard. And when you couldn't work hard, everybody showed up to help one another. That's what made America great. Not the Constitution, not anything else other than that is the fact that people took the time to help out their neighbor, to be there for their neighbor. You know, I the number of people that say that Kyle should have just stayed at home like they did, the cowards. Their, their, their town was burning down. Businesses were being destroyed. People were being attacked in their streets. And they say their solution is let's just all stay home. And hide, and maybe they'll, the rioters will go away. They'll, they won't see our house. Turn the lights off, and they won't stop here. What cowards we've become. We are not the land of the free, because we aren't the land of the brave. And we become those cowards because we have not exercised courage and faith. And this is, this is the problem. So the song of faith of Habakkuk is telling us something about what we should be doing. And when we look at what we're doing, we see that we're not doing what we should have been. There's the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Don't they also include faith? Because according to Revelation, it's those those who learn the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, which are the same songs, they're in harmony with one another. Old and New Testament are in harmony. Once you understand Old Testament, you'll know that. If you think they aren't, you don't understand the Old Testament. Moses was teaching the people how to live by faith. Christ was telling them they had to live by faith. And teaching them also how to do that. Which may include you laying down your life for your fellow man. 
willing to lay down your life to go out there with a fire extinguisher and put out the fire for your neighbor and to protect him. That That's the hatred towards poor Kyle <laughs> is shocking. But this is the hatred that will be for any real Christian. I'm not saying he is a real Christian. I don't really know him. I, I find it a fascinating story uh, that is unfolding in real time in our, in our world. But it's symbolic of what's going on in our own hearts. So we see in verse 1, 6 through 9, uh, uh, 9 and 12 and 14 and 19, this hymn of Habakkuk is described as a future manifestation of the Lord. Because the cause and effect always involves this flow of time, this mem of years. And he tells us in prophecies to wait for it. It's coming. And there's a pattern to God's creation. That if you go against the the primal uh, spirit or pattern of God's creation. You know, God gave us choice and you've been busy for the last hundred years of taking choices away from your neighbor. You send your kids to public school. He has no choice as to whether or not your neighbor can support that school or not, he has to or you will take away his house. Because you would rather have his house taken away than you not have free stuff from the government. That is totally the antithesis of the message of the Bible. I have not heard Prager you mention that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Ben Shapiro does not send his kids to public school. I'm just guessing, but I, I would suspect that that's true. But he still thinks that there needs to be a social safety net. By the civil government, when we get into Sephariah, we will take a look at that. Now, the social safety net is supposed to be by the people, not by the government. If it's by the government, it's by force. John the Baptist wasn't going to do it by force. He was going to do it by charity. Jesus was doing it by charity. Moses said do it by charity. Free will offerings. But you're going against the pattern of God. And Habakkuk is telling you there are consequences for that. Because we live in a cause and effect universe. And he's telling you that those consequences will come and the bow of God will be emptied. The arrows of God will be coming upon you in whatever form. Because they secretly want to steal from the poor. They, they want to take a bite out of one another. And the seas will rise up. The seas are usually people. Now, there may be a physical manifestation of seas rising up, but it won't be because of global warming. <laughs> Although there, chances are there might be a slight global warming, but then if something like this happened, there'll be global cooling. But uh, the critical thing is, is, is the Spirit of God flowing to you? Well, are you living by faith? Are you dependent upon governments that take away the rights of choice of your neighbor? You turn the people into merchandise. Your covetous practice, according to Peter, will turn you into merchandise. Archibald said that 
if you take away the right to choose, you become a thing. That's a, like a human resource, a merchandise. If you want the chariots of salvation and the horses of salvation to come to you when you're in the midst of the rising seas and dividing rivers, you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ commanded. You need to be a minister. If you think you're a minister of Christ, and you're not making the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you're self-deceived. You're ignorant of the message of Christ. If you, you've got them to sit down in tens or even a hundred in your local little church, but you're not in that network of rank upon rank of people casting your bread, you, you will not have anybody to send to Galatia or Corinth. And you will not have Galatia and Corinth sending anything to you. Because you're not thinking kingdom. You're just thinking your little kingdom. Your little village. And that the the house of darkness wants to destroy. And it's destroying now because you're not preaching the gospel of the kingdom where you take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, you're still preaching the gospel of taking away the right of your neighbor and forcing the contributions of the people. You're not even preaching John the Baptist, much less Jesus Christ. This future manifestation is upon us now. This this structure and composition of this poem going through, this song going through and telling us that the nations will be destroyed. I mean, the same thing when we I did an afternoon show on Mammon, and I I may I have to go back and and finish that. There's so much to this Mammon, but that's entrusted wealth. Back in 1913, 1916, 1933, and you have all become a surety for the debt because you strayed from the basic principles of the Bible. You didn't keep your gold and silver in your pocket. You put it in the pocket of the state because you looked to the state for your salvation. You didn't look to God for your salvation. You looked to the government to do what you should have been doing for yourselves. And this process began back in the 1800s. We just see these mileposts along the way that were undermining our relationship with God the Creator, with the tree of life. We were eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We thought we could do it. And we entered more and more into darkness. Now it is time for our confession. And acceptance of the fact that we have strayed from the ways of God. We have gone the ways of covetous practices. We have gone the ways of making agreements with the gods of the world. We have spotted our religion, the way in which we take care of the widows and orphans and needy of our society, with the power and force of the civil government. And we have been devoured because we were willing to take a bite out of one another to get our free education, to get our free health care, to take care of our parents, 
to do all these things that we were supposed to do ourselves through the church. And the church was those people called out by God, called out by Christ, to teach the people the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, which is to live by faith, hope, and charity instead of force, fear, and fealty. You are all under fealty now. You don't own your land, which we'll cover in Zephaniah. You don't own your children, which I, I show in the book, The Covenants of the Gods, free online. And now... The piper is playing his music and he's taking your children away. I should republish the book where all the children following the Pied Piper are all wearing masks. They all have little band-aids on their arm where they got the vaccination. Because <laughs> that would be symbolic. But it's symbolic enough to know that they have your children. They have your children's minds. That And they will have your children. Unless they repent. Unless they are willing to see the truth. And go the other way. Go the way of Christ. And and they can start this any time. This is repentance. This is thinking differently. There is this confession and acceptance of God's built-in process of judgment. But a plea for mercy in verse 2 which only comes with mercy to others. You have to show mercy to others. You have to give them back their right to choose. As we judge, so shall we be judged. That's built in. That's the gimmel of the system. Verse 3, if we go to Deuteronomy 33, 2, uh, which is where that verse 3 kind of echoes itself, where God came from the Mount Paran and He came with ten thousands of saints. Who are the saints? That is those who are separate from the world. You know, I talk a little bit on the side panel about Cushion had been defeated in the past by Gideon without a king. No king, and they defeated the Cushion. But you still think you need the king. You need you think you're gonna elect a president who's gonna solve all this. No, it's not gonna work that way. Midian sent for Balaam to curse Israel. Balaam, that's the way in which to conquer the people. This is how you get cursed. The greatest destroyers of liberty are the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits because you will sit in your house thinking that it's not my job, it's somebody else's job to take care of the needy, the poor, the oppressed, the attacked, the firebombed. That's not my job. But it is your job to be a defender of the weak. And a purveyor of righteousness. But you have fallen to Balaam. You're back. You are, you are, God hates the deeds of Balaam. He hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And the deeds of the Nicolaitans and the deeds of Balaam as they turn their neighbor into the bread and wine of their society. They force their neighbor to contribute to what they want. They take away the right of their neighbor to choose. And they themselves will go into bondage. Done deal. Midian seduced God's people into idolatry. What is idolatry? It's when you make gods of men who are going to make choices for you. And... Those men become 
corrupted by the power you've given them, and evil that wants to see you destroyed, wants to see the wombs of your daughters dry up and shrivel. This is the part of the prophecies of the prophets. This You become bread for the rulers of society. That This is what they wanted Jesus to turn the stones with the living stones, the ministers, into bread for him. I do not want to turn the ministers of his holy church into bread for me. I want to return the right to choose to the people. Because only when you choose, you have to choose wisely. Choose to eat of the tree of life rather than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil will you truly be set free. And you have to be willing to confess the fact that you have taken delight and your parents have taken delight in the wages of unrighteousness. That's the rewards of taking away from your neighbor through civil powers, through men who exercise authority one over the other. You should not have ever let your social welfare systems be taken over by men who exercise authority. Christ said it was not to be that way with you. It has been. And now the bow is about to become naked. And the judgment of God is going to come upon you in many ways. It already is. It has darkened your eyes so that you could not see this. I'm just shocked at how people can listen to liars on the TV and they cannot tell that they're lying. Even when you give them the facts, they still can't tell that they've been listening to liars because they sit in darkness and they devour the poor secretly. I mean, you've been doing it through your covetous practices. I I tell about the widow lady who was paying... uh, on a shack in the middle of the desert at the end of a, a road so filled with ruts you can barely get a regular car down it. You need need four-wheel drive. She can't drive anymore at all, so we have to take her stuff that she needs. She was paying more in taxes for that. And we finally got it reduced. And And we didn't do it by sitting in our house, trembling. We did it by confronting people and saying, look, look, this is unright. This should have never been. We had talked to people after people, but now finally people are beginning to wake up. And more and more opportunities. Uh, recently, you know, they, they had this mandate. Everybody has to get vaccinated. And so they were trying to mandate that county employees in this county had to get vaccinated because they were contractors with the federal government because we rent space at our local airports, a little nothing airport, hardly any planes there. Uh, we're very isolated, but they were trying to dictate to us, and they said, no way. We're not co- contractors. You're renting from us. You don't like it? Go find yourself another airport. <laughs> you can't dictate us here. It's like talking to the wicked witch of the east. You have no power here. You know, be careful a lot. Somebody doesn't drop a house on you. Now, we're not foolish enough to know that we have no power on our own or to think that we have any power in ourselves. 
we have to start turning around and waking up to the truth that we've been doing this the wrong way. I've, I've seen a number of adventures unfolding here. But you have no idea who the horses of salvation are. It's a poem. And yeah, just as the God is a spiritual influencer of our existence, that spiritual influence will manifest itself into physical form. If you commit to the Spirit, do not put the form ahead of the Spirit. That's what got you into trouble. The Spirit cometh first. The Spirit giveth life. The Spirit of God is to love thy neighbor, not covet his goods, not covet his right to choose, not take away his right to choose. You go enter into a congregation, the first thing you want to do is start taking away the right of other people to have the thoughts that they have, to think the way that they think. You're supposed to bring the light into the room as a vessel of the Holy Spirit. You are not the light. Your knowledge is not the light. Allow God to be God and you will be set free. But we're out of time. So join us on the network at preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. Sit yourselves down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands before the bow of God is empty. God bless. Peace on your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.